0: It would be great if you could have uh, a copy of the Order of Service or a copy of God's Word open in front of you at John chapter 4. Now, I hope most of you, if not all of us, us have been able to enjoy something of the Platinum Jubilee celebration over the last few days, uh, even if it's just the rest that comes from having a few days off work. I know some of you managed to get up at the crack of dawn uh, on Thursday morning and were able to go and witnessed the spectacular display of pomp and pageantry with the tripping of the color and the RAF flyover. I know at least two of you caught a glimpse of the queen in the flesh, albeit at a distance as she appeared on the balcony of Buckingham Palace. I know the others of you made it to, to see the, the the jubilee beacons being lit and attended street parties. Now, if you've not been able to indulge yourself in the various festivities and royal celebrations, no need to feel that you've missed out. Because this morning we come to a passage where there's not pomp and pageantry, but there is a royal official and his family who come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this gives us great cause for continuing our celebration for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who brings new life to people facing both physical death and eternal death. And so let's not miss out as we study this passage and we see this royal family come to experience the wonder-working power of Jesus' words. Now, depending on which translation you have in front of you, the, the, the title of this passage will say something along the lines of the healing of the official's son, or the healing of the royal official's son. In the Greek, the word for official there literally means little king. So all the scholars are almost certainly agreed that the, the official here was connected to the Herodian royal household. He may even have been a member of it. Or he may have just been an advisor to it. But nevertheless, he's he's of royal standing. Now now just just think about what that would mean for this royal official. He would be a man of great means, great wealth, a part of the first century um, aristocracy a man who was used to giving uh, orders and people obeying him. In fact, we learn in verse 51 he had servants. And so as we picture this royal official that we're going to be thinking about this morning, he's maybe a bit different from our 21st century royal family, but he definitely has this standing and this status. I don't know about you, but sometimes when when i look at royalty sometimes they're, it's not 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 the case with our royal family because there's been a few royal messes <laughs> over the years but sometimes they, their lives can give the impression that they just skim over and avoid all of life's suffering it was actually last year in lockdown when when the queen lost her beloved husband and there she was on television sitting on her own at his funeral that it was brought freshly home to me, at least. That she's just like one of us. Well, the royal official we meet in this passage, listen, he's hes hes just like any of us. Because John, the first thing he wants us to know about him is he had a son who was sick. We're going to start thinking about this royal official's trial. And his trial is this. He's got all the wealth, he's got all the power, he's got all the status, he's got all the significance. But he's absolutely powerless, helpless in the face of his son's sickness and illness. So serious it is that his son's close to death. Now if you look down there at verse 46, we see Jesus came again to Canaan Galilee, where he made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So this this royal official was in Capernaum. Capernaum was something about 20 miles away from Cana. And that's where he is. And and it's clear that that the rumors and the news regarding Jesus as a miracle worker had spread. Spread so far that they had even reached the higher echelons of society. And this royal official has heard that Jesus... Is someone he should go to for help. Maybe he'd exhausted all other avenues. Maybe he'd tried the best Galilean physicians. Maybe he'd invited the leading spiritual leaders to come and pray over his son, but nothing, nothing. Still sick and ill and close to death. Well, this desperate dad with a dying son comes to Jesus. Desperate people do desperate things. He, he makes a 20-mile journey from Capernaum to Cana. And just stand back for this, from this for a moment and, 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 and think who this is. This is a royal official coming to the son of a carpenter begging for help. course he 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 didn't know that this son of a carpenter was actually the son of god the messiah the king of kings and the lord of lords so verse 47 says when this man heard that jesus had come from judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death Those of you who are are parents know that when your child is sick, how, how deeply you feel for them and how you wish you could do absolutely anything that would make them better in the moment. This man's desperate. His son is at the point of death. It's interesting, as a royal official, he's probably used to giving out orders and giving out commands and people just listening and obeying. He comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, come down, that is, leave Cana and come down to Capernaum, heal my son. And and this statement is really revealing regarding his understanding of Jesus. He believes that Jesus will need to come to the bedside of his son, that is, Christ will need to be present for his son to be healed. He doesn't understand that Jesus is the Son of God, who John chapter 1 told us, by him, through him, all that exists, all that was made, was made because the word spoke it into existence. Jesus said by a word, let there be light, and there was light. And this royal official doesn't understand that Jesus can do this miracle from a distance because he's God in the flesh. But let's not be too hard on him. He's got a little faith, but it's a fragile faith. In fact, his faith has got more in common with the Galileans that we've just read about in verse 45. You know, those who welcomed him because they'd been down in Jerusalem for the Passover and seen Jesus perform many signs and they'd come to believe in him, but Jesus didn't believe in them because it wasn't true saving faith. And so here we have this desperate father pleading with Jesus, come and down and heal my son. If there's anything he understands about Jesus is that he can perform miracles and he might just be able to save and heal his son from his sickness. Now, when you study the Gospels and you see Jesus' interaction with people, he always Stuns and shocks, and and especially in John's gospel. Here's a desperate father making a desperate plea, and, and, and look at how Jesus responds. We move from thinking about the father's trial to thinking about Jesus testing him. Verse 48, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, that statement is a stinging rebuke. Interestingly, that statement, see when he says, unless you, it's not in the singular, it's in the plural. You know how Americans in the South say y'all? Unless y'all see signs and wonders, y'all not believe. You see, standing Clearly in the presence of this royal official where all these Galileans had just welcomed Jesus because of the many signs he'd performed, they were, they were in awe, wowed by his wonder-working power, and Jesus says, here's your problem. You need signs and wonders. But, but, but they have missed the point of the signs and wonders because they, they're supposed to point the people to who Jesus is and to The reason Jesus has come into this world to save sinners and bring life. And it's quite a shocking moment because you've got a desperate dad with a desperate plea and Jesus seems to rebuff him by saying, no. Interestingly, this actually links back to the first sign that Jesus performed because remember when his mom came to him with the request? He did the exact same thing. It's like he says no. Now, the question in our minds is, is this royal official's faith going to be like the faith of the Galileans that just rests in the wonder-working miracles but doesn't truly believe, or is it going to be something similar to the Samaritans who we've just met whose faith was rooted in Christ because they believed his words and needed no miracles. Well, look at what happens next. Verse 49, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. He's persistent. He's insistent. You need to come down. My child's going to die. You know, as I, I've not met many. I don't have I ever met anyone in the royal family at a distance, at a general assembly, been in the same room. But I have met people who, who are powerful in their in their jobs and their vacations, who exert a great deal of influence. And one of the things that you can often find is that you you never see them truly humble themselves. This father, he truly humbles himself. He he says to Jesus, sir. It's literally curious, Lord, come down before my child dies. It's like he's willing to forgo his his rank and his standing because he would do absolutely anything for his son to be healed. It might be fragile faith, but it's faith. And by the way, This gives us confidence, especially when we think of young Christians or people who are not yet Christians, just a little faith. The the little desire to come to Jesus, Jesus can use. Now, now, now here's where Jesus tests his faith, because look at verse 50. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Notice the powerful one, the truly powerful one, gives a command. Go. Go. And and here's the test. Will this royal official be humble enough to obey the command of what probably looked like to him a humble Galilean peasant? And will he trust Jesus' promise, your son will live? Will he take Jesus at his word? In, In John 4 chapter, John 4 verse 41, the Samaritans, many believed because they believed in Jesus' word. The question is, will this royal official take Jesus at his word? Will we see his faith? Because he goes and he takes Jesus at his word. Look at verse 50. The man believed. The word that jesus spoke to him and went on his way this fragile faith is 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 deepening faith it's it's not rooted now in in, in, in in a wonder and a miracle but that's actually a sign jesus is actually doing exactly that but it's rooted in him taking christ at his word now this is one of the most fascinating scenes ever right because the next verse says as he was going down he met his servants so his servants have left the house and they've they've started to make their way to Cana and as they, they, they're, they're going they bump into each to one another and the, the servants of the, the glorious just said to him go your son will live he didn't immediately go He'd, he'd ran from Capernaum, as one commentator put it, to Cana to get help. But he walked from Cana to Capernaum because he walked by faith, trusting in the words of Jesus. Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So remember, Jesus met the woman at the well at the sixth hour meaning noon. So the seventh hour is one o'clock. So they had that conversation on the day previously at one o'clock. And this royal official who, who's left his home with his dying son, now the next day sets back for home and bumps into his servants. Verse 53. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live when you take Jesus at his word when you trust in Jesus' promises he never fails all that he means he says all that he says he means His words are the words that are powerful and authoritative and life-giving and life-changing. And this man took Jesus at his word. And the question is, brother, sister, do you and I take Jesus at his word? So if you're maybe a a true, genuine believer, but you struggle with doubts, you struggle sometimes knowing, like, am I really the real deal? Is my faith the genuine article? Cause I sin and I sin and I sin. I do the things I do not want to do and the things I ought to do, I do not do. Take Jesus at His Word. You confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Take Jesus at his word. Therefore, if you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. Satan might tempt you to despair. But upward I look and I see Jesus, there at the right hand of his Father, ever living to intercede on my behalf, appealing to his atoning death and perfect life. Take him at his word, and so, 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 so. As a result of hearing this, the father takes Jesus at his word, and he believes. It said there just at the the, the the end of verse fifty-three, and he himself believed. In other words, this this royal official has got more in common with the Samaritans than the Galileans. We, we don't know, actually, if this, Samari, this, this royal official was a, a Jew or a Gentile. If he was a Jew, he would have a lot in common with the Galileans. But no doubt if he was a Jew, he, he's turned his back on his upbringing and he's gone to work from a, for a, a Roman puppet king. But if he's a Gentile, he's got more in common with the Samaritans speaking ethnically, and he's come to see that Jesus can be taken for his word and not just be wowed because of his signs and wonders. Now, I love this. You remember what happened, right? When the woman believed Jesus' words at the well, what was, her, what was her response? It was to go and tell all our, our, our townsfolk, Come! See a man who told me everything that I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? What's this father's response when his servants come to him and tell him, your son has recovered? Well, I think that the, the picture is he, he, he runs home. No doubt his wife runs out to him and says, "says you're never going to believe us, honey when you were up in Cana we were sitting with our son and he had this terrible fever his temperature was high we were putting cold towels on his head he'd lost all of his colour honestly we couldn't even we were checking to see if it had a pulse and then just a moment it was at one o'clock the colour came back into his face his little eyes opened he got up and he said can I have something to eat it's a miracle and you can see this royal official saying, it is. I know it because the one who did it from a distance, I met him. And I've discovered who he is. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so he sits down in his household, and he's got his, his wife, and the son, and their siblings, and the servants, and he testifies to Christ. And that's why we read, and all his household also believed. Now, there's a lesson here for those of us who are parents, are soon to be parents. We can often want to prioritize in our children's life, only naturally and only rightly, their health, their education, their flourishing, and their development. That was the, 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 the reason this royal official had come to Jesus in the first place, because he was so concerned about his son's health. But don't miss this. When he discovered who Jesus was, his greatest concern for his family was that they would come to believe in Jesus. See, the greatest priority is not just our physical life, it's actually us having eternal life in the face of eternal death. And the great challenge is, and and I'm just a new parent, is we can prioritize everything else for our kid and forget to place the priority that they need the Word of God if they're going to come to believe in the Son of God. One of our great priorities as a church and as families is to impress the Word of God upon the young children of God in our church that they might come to believe for themselves in Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. Now verse 54 fin- finishes this out by saying, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come from Judea to Galilee. The first sign, he manifested his glory. It, it, the turning of water into wine, remember what he said? It, it, it filled those jars of purification. It pointed to the fact that Jesus was the new wine. He, he was bringing about the new order his blood would purify his people, his shed blood in the cross, that the wine pointed to the fact that the messianic age was dawning, will hear the second sign. Do you know what it points to? Jesus' he's glory. He's God. By a word, He can heal from a distance. The dying will live. This is His glory. He's come to bring people new life. And we can take him at his word. And so church, the call for us is to believe. You might know say, but I believe. We, we need to continue believing, deepening in our faith, deepening under, in our understanding. And if you don't believe in Jesus for who he is and for what he's done, you need to come and believe in him. The reality you face isn't merely physical death, it's eternal death. Jesus comes and he offers eternal life. You know, as I was um, thinking of this story, I just couldn't help but think, yeah, this is a first century story that we should totally and utterly rejoice and celebrate in. Because we see this royal family, if you like, coming to saving faith. And then I thought, you know, isn't it remarkable that not just in the first century, but even today in the 21st century, in the context of the UK, we've got at least one person in the royal family who believes. She's public about our faith. And, and you know, what's really interesting. Every Christmas and Easter, the Queen often uses the opportunity to speak of her faith. One time she said this, to many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, draw comfort and confidence from the words of Christ. You know, when the Queen was coronated, the Archbishop of Canterbury, In 1952, said to her, Your gracious majesty, I present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Why? Because it contains the words of eternal life. And so let's celebrate Let's celebrate the Savior whose words bring life. Let's rejoice at this salvation. And may it be so that as we believe and as we trust in his word, we too would either grow in our faith or come to true saving faith for the first time this very day. Let's pray.